This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's another episode of the Forever Mighty Post Game Show. Stumbling over my words, just like the Ducks <laughs> stumbled into this game. Uh, awful showing here for the Ducks that should be desperate and trying to gain a bunch of steam and roll into this playoffs. I don't know, Eddie. A 4-1 loss at the hands of the Canucks, who are basically fighting for Dolan uh, in the draft, is not a good showing here by Anaheim, huh? No, it, it, I mean, it's just it's probably one of the worst losses of the season, to be honest, just because of the timing of it. I mean, the Canucks have been playing spoiler their last few games. They beat Dallas two nights ago and really ended their season, essentially, and now they come and, and face the Ducks and, and put a wrench in their plans and making the playoffs. I can hear you yawning, so we, we all know how, <laughs> how boring this game uh, was, I was tonight. Was I was hoping you would hear yeah. it because I'm like, that's how I felt throughout this it was just not much more that you could put on that other than they just looked like they were tired and they were slow i felt like coming into this first period they just didn't have their legs about them um they didn't seem interested in engaging in this game and the canucks do a great job as the as the game move on by clogging up the neutral zone and preventing any sort of uh, real offensive chance but there's enough guys in this lineup to make a difference and yeah. they just couldn't get it done tonight um hitting into the pregame notes and all the speculation about Troy Terry as he signed an entry-level contract yesterday with the Ducks. He would get a start tonight in Vancouver. So, And he kind of slotted in where we had kind of hoped he would. So, you know, we would look like we were smart for a minute. And uh, he was actually paired with Henrique and Kasha to start the game, moving Nick Ritchie to the fourth line. Scratches for tonight were Holzer, Kelly Vermette, JT Brown, and Andy Walensky. And, of course, our Vesna goaltender John Gibson would get the nod in net against Jacob Markstrom. Um, do you have anything to add in here, or do you want to get this cruising? I just want to get it cruising. I, I just want to get through <laughs> this this uh, recap as quick as we can, because it's just it was such a disappointing game. I mean, Post-game notes dead. are much more fun. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. So let's let's kick it off with the intro here. Try to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner, gets up center, Perry, scoops, Corey Perry. Well, you're able to take away from Solani, it's given away to Solani, around in front, score! Tamu Solani with the steal. Three of the fans won one. Score! On the floor, on the board, Altaria! So Gordon Bombay kicks off the recap in the chat with uh, talking about how you think this is funny. You think losing is funny? And <laughs> I, I kind of agree with them. I, I mean, we're, we're trying to be upbeat here. Don't don't hate on us. We're trying to be upbeat. Yeah, it is definitely a tough game to talk about. Um, it's definitely not funny, but it was something that we really didn't expect. You know, the Ducks just played this team on March 14th, 
and beat them 3 nothing. This is a doable game for the Ducks. They have all the talent up front to handle this team. And, I mean, let's talk about the Vancouver roster. They're without their best player, Brock Besser, uh, amongst a bunch of others on this team. They think they had eight guys, eight regulars in the lineup that are, that have injured, that are, that are injured, rather. And they're not even in any, in any contention to make the playoffs. They should have been just, they should have been just roadkill on the way to the yeah. playoffs for the Ducks and on their way to a big game on Friday night. Yeah, somebody mentioned fatigue at the end of the road trip, which I mean, if you want to throw some excuses, you can you can maybe chalk that that up as one. But this had to be the easiest game of the road trip. When you're looking at it, you got you had Calgary, you had Winnipeg, you had Edmonton, and then you have Vancouver. Vancouver is the worst team of the four, and you know every team likes to play spoiler this late. But when you have arguably their best player, their best goal scorer out of the lineup, you gotta win this game. You just have to, no matter what. You gotta come to play. And they didn't, and and it's it's going to be one that comes back to haunt them if they don't make the playoffs, among a lot of other games that have happened this season. But this late against such a poor opponent, you, you got to get at least a point, if not two. Yeah, and they didn't they didn't help themselves in the first period. Like I, I was just waiting for them to start playing hockey, and you know the best sequence I was able to find before the you know, the first goal of the game for the Canucks was actually the the, the showing by the Troy Terry line, Troy Terry with Kasha and Henrique. Terry ends up outweighing a few Canucks circling that gets a shot on goal. So a nice first sequence there for him. But that was after Gibby had to make a save on Daniel and Henrik Sedin. The Ducks are just automatically giving up chances as this game started. Um, I'm, you know what? There really wasn't a whole lot going in the first period for him. It was just a very, very slow period. And unfortunately, somehow Gagne for Vancouver just disappears. This is, we've seen this happen a couple of games now. Disappears off the radar for the Ducks defense. Circles around the side of the net. Gets a Gibby leaves a fat rebound, not knowing that Gagne's there. Gagne's there to clean it up, and all of a sudden it's one nothing Canucks. Yeah, it feels like a trend at this point of a guy being left wide open. In some cases, it's been on the power play. Of course, in this case, it wasn't. And I don't know who missed the assignment. To be honest, you looking at the goal here. Kessler is the guy who gets back to try and at least get a stick on the pocket, not even close, but somebody missed him, left him open, he has a wide open net, he's not going to miss that off the rebound, I, I mean, it's hard, you can't really blame Gibby, I mean, he he did give up the rebound, so that's on him, but somebody has to be taking Gagne, somebody has to be at least somewhere close to him, I mean, he's wide open, there's nowhere, no one even near him on that play, so, yeah, it's disappointing, because that kind of was the trend of the uh, the first period, sorry, Gorman is making me laugh in the chat. He's saying it's pronounced Gagner instead of Gagner. <laughs> so uh, I'll take his word for it. Everyone had to breathe a collective sigh of relief because we all know that Gibby gets injured uh, frequently, and all although not his fault at this time would not have been his fault either. But he took an awkward shot at first. The broadcast said off the helmet. It happened really quick, and he kind of it's one of those saves where a goalie shrugs the shoulder up to go higher. So it hit him right probably in the collarbone area, and they called it a stinger. My buddy Jay, who plays goalie, would say the same thing. It was a stinger. But Gibby fell back and then had to make another blocker save and then waved to the referee. So I was like, oh, no, did that hit him? I don't want it to, you know, any, any sort of head stuff. But fortunately, as uh, we all overreacted, John Gibson, he's fine and uh, would stay in the game. It, it just, that's, that's all I got to say with the first period. There was really nothing going on for the Ducks other than them just standing around and watching the Canucks play hockey. Yeah, and they really did not look the better team, of course, in the first period coming in down one nothing, and they they had no chances. I mean, they ended up getting nine shots, none of them were 
anything that really challenged Markstrom throughout the entire period. And it was really all Canucks, and, and Gibby made a couple good saves and, and on the Sedin twins early on, like you had mentioned. And then, of, of course, the Gagne goal was the only thing that Vancouver had gotten in that period as well. So it was just a, a sluggish, boring, back-and-forth sort of first period. Something that you don't want to see. Probably put a lot of people to sleep, to be honest. I mean, it's kind of reminiscent a bit of the Winnipeg game where we both said that we kind of fell asleep during the first period. So disappointing effort to start. And I wasn't ultra concerned about it. I was just kind of disappointed. I figured in the second period that they get their legs under them and, and start moving, and they did. To yeah. start the second period, the Ducks started looking really, really good. Um, and then they got a power play chance, which I don't even know if you can even qualify it as one because it was one of the worst power plays we've seen in a while. And I know that power play has not been hot. So why would they do anything other than turn the puck over? Sutter ends up picking up a puck off the half wall, kind of steps around Lindholm and gets a nice shot on John Gibson. But what does he do other than turn it away with a glove? So a big save there to prevent a shorthanded goal. Um, and then uh, Troy Terry, you know, he, he got his welcome yeah. to the big yeah. boys club. <laughs> exactly. Takes a yeah. huge hit by Viega in the corner. And I even wrote in the notes here, I was waiting for Richie to take a penalty because Richie was out there with Terry. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, he's going to go right after him. He didn't. I was very surprised. Very, very surprised that uh, Nick Ritchie didn't go after and defend Troy Terry on that hit, weren't you? Yeah, I, I thought he was definitely going to go after after somebody for hitting him. But, I mean, that that's exactly what I thought when he got hit. I was like, hey, welcome to the NHL, kid. This is <laughs> These are the type of hits you're going to be taking. You definitely didn't see anything like this in, in NCAA. So uh, I saw a lot of people tweet that out, too. So a lot of people kind of felt the same thing when he got uh, hit by Biega. He got kind of hit a bit. I felt like he was targeted somewhat, you know, being the yeah. new guy on the block. It's, it's just what happens. It's like your initiation coming into the into the big boys club. So, Troy Terry, no worse for wear. Played the rest of the game without a problem. Um, I was really impressed, I got to say, with the few things I was impressed with tonight, besides the way, you know, John Gibson held the Ducks in it as long as he could. I was extremely impressed with Cam Fowler. I felt like Cam Fowler is just really just continuing his strong game. He was all over the ice tonight. When there was any sort of offense being created, it felt like he was either he or Getzloff, for the most part, trying to create. Um, he had a few chances. He walked around a Canuck, drives to that pass, cross crease to Perry, who just kind of whiffed on it. Although he, there was another stick in the way there, so you can't really fault Perry on that. Um, they were getting their chances there, but uh, they would wind up coming up empty. And then uh, the biggest thing that I could take out of this is they got the biggest break of the night. Um, yeah. And it didn't end up helping them, but in the second period, there was a turnover, and it was a two-on-one. Henrik and Daniel, toast saved by Gibson. Puckins up going around the other way a few seconds later, and Cogliano gets the break of all breaks. Puck wraps around the seamless glass off a stanchion somehow as Markstrom goes back to play it, bounces right out in front, and it was wrapped to the bow, and it was 1-1 thanks to Cogliano's empty netter. Yeah, they didn't deserve it, but they got it. They got back in this game somehow with the bounce off the stanchion because Markstrom... Markstrom played pretty well in this game, and he and he kept the Canucks in it at times where they didn't look that great. He made a couple good saves. I remember Cogliano having a chance uh, off a, a nice setup by Getzlaff where Markstrom made a good save. So he, he played pretty well. This is a, a goal any day of the week for anybody, including Cogliano. He has an empty net to throw it into. And when you get these bounces, you're, you're hoping that this is what turns it around. I mean, they go into the end of the second period tied at one. You're, you you had to expect that after somewhat of an uptick in play in the second period that they would come out in the third and, and be ready to go. Of course, that wasn't the case. But when you get these lucky bounces and you get a goal like this, you got to take it and run, and they just didn't do that. No, they didn't. And I expected the same sort of third period 
that the Ducks played against Edmonton. I really expected yeah. them to come out with a fire lit under their butts to get this team moving and, and try to get these two points or at least, you know, hang on and get a point in overtime. Just wasn't the case. Canucks come out and then early in the uh, in the third period, Alex Biega gets pretty lucky on his shot, honestly. Shot from the point. Looks like it got deflected a couple of times, just three oh three into the third period. All of a sudden it's two one Canucks. I think it might have glanced off a of Boschman in front of the net too. I couldn't really tell. Yeah, Randy Carlisle uh, was super pissed about this. Yeah, it was a high stick. Let's uh, let's talk about this one a bit because I've got if you if you guys are listening here and you, you follow us on Twitter we had a gif of this, and it kind of slows it down. It, I don't know which Canucks player it is, but somebody has a stick that's pretty high. And it really, really looks like it gets deflected in by a Canucks player and goes in. There was some question that maybe it hit Boschman in front. But the initial deflection, where the puck actually dips down, it looks like it hits a, hits a Canucks stick. And it, it, they don't even really review it for that long. And, and Carlisle was a little bit pissed off, but it was like, what, a 10, 15 second review on what could have been a high stick on a uh, on a go ahead goal. I, I don't know how they didn't look at this any bit more than they did. No, you think they would, but unfortunately for Carlisle, he can't challenge it. It's not interference. Yeah. It's not offside. So there was nothing he could do there. It was all up to the officials. And unless there was another phone call from the Situation Room in Toronto, which I, apparently there wasn't, uh, it was all decided already, and that's it. I mean, I saw the gift too. It looked like it was really close to yeah. being a high stick and i know that it's the further away from the net the harder it is to judge you know obviously the stick height but it's just a really unfortunate break for john gibson he didn't have a chance there was all kinds of traffic in front of him yeah. um and the, the ducks just never recovered i felt like they just never had a chance to recover on this they didn't get many chances after this uh moving along here to eight thirty of this of the uh, same period here in the third and Brandon Sutter blocks a shot by Ryan Kessler, and he's off to the races. Kessler, I mean, even Eric Stevens tweeted out, you know, the guy with the bum hip, you know, not Kessler's fault. You know, he just can't skate with these guys right now. He's injured. And Sutter goes all the way back down in on Gibby. Kessler was going to take a penalty because he kept hooking uh, Brandon Sutter, trying to take him down, you know, yeah. maybe giving Gibson a chance that maybe, maybe they're going to power play or, or a penalty shot most likely in that case. Sutter misses the first shot. Gibby goes swimming and then is not able to scramble back up. And then Sutter has enough time to grab the rebound and come back because Pedersen picked the wrong side to defend on. Just a mishmash of play. And all of a sudden, it's 3-1 Vancouver. Yeah, that's what I was going to hit on right there is Pedersen really didn't do a good job of, of picking the right side coming back on his back check. That If you had to pick a more noticeable play where Pedersen's made a mistake since coming up, I feel like it's this one because... There was, I, I mean, you, you saw where, where Kessler ended up, ended up behind the net on the other side. He skated around Gibson. I'm not sure why Pedersen made the decision to skate to the same side. Maybe he didn't think that the puck was going to come right back to Sutter. Maybe he thought it was going to be a goal. I think Kessler thought it was probably going to go in right off the bat. But you've got to make a better effort to come and back check on Sutter just in case there's a rebound. Uh, he had way too much time, way, way too much time to, to gather his own rebound and toss it into the empty net. And it just kind of summed up the entire play and the entire game for the Ducks. Just a lackluster effort. Not really anything going. They didn't really have any drive in the third period to try and get back in this game, especially after the goal from Biega. So, uh, you know, you want to chalk this one up as, as a one-off, and hopefully you can move on from it. But, you know, when you're this late in the season and every point matters, it's tough to do that. No, it is. Just unfortunate for this game because after it was 3-1, it was all the, the Canucks could do was just clog up the neutral zone. No four check. They were sending one guy barely across the Ducks' blue line. 
There was a play where Manson was skating around in the defensive zone, just fumbling with the puck, not knowing what to do with it. I felt like there was no movement. The team just kind of was just suffocated and they didn't know how to respond. Um, and that's kind of where I think some of the questions have popped in our feeds talking about Randy Carlisle. You know, yeah. is this an issue, a system issue? Is it a player issue? Like, what is it? Um, we'll get to that in a bit. But uh, the Ducks had one last chance. They ended up getting a, a power play with 2.23 to go. Gibby was on the bench. Raquel gets tripped up there at the end, and uh, they couldn't get anything going. Sutter ends up, ends up with an empty net. That's all she wrote. It's game over. An absolute dud of a game. Um, the Ducks were outchanced. They were outshot. And, or no, yeah, outchanced, outshot, and just uh, outpossessed, really. There was only four players on the Ducks that had a um, an even on plus minus, which is not even a real great stat, but just interesting to note. It yeah. was uh, Richie, Terry, Henrique, and Cogliano. <laughs> <laughs> so that that the one the line, and then yeah, the one line, and then Cogliano, pretty much. Yeah, just uh, not not a great showing for the Ducks. They um, they really should probably watch the tape on this one. I feel like you could throw away the one against Winnipeg, but when you lose to a team that's like 29th or 30th, it's time you you figure it out. I mean, you could say it's the end of a road trip. You could say they're tired, but that's an excuse at this point of the season you just can't have you have to win like these yeah. are points you have to take uh there's no excuse there for the ducks yeah and i mean chase brings up in the chat saying the ducks seem to lose motivation when they're losing to a bad team and we've kind of seen that all season where they just what people have termed it as is they play down to the to that team's level and you know i've, I've kind of hated that phrase a lot through the entire season because i don't necessarily necessarily think any team really plays down to another team's level, but I feel like the Ducks just kind of get complacent in these games against teams they should be beating. And and Chase puts it perfectly saying they just lose motivation when they're losing to a bad team. They kind of just are sitting there thinking, well, how are we losing against this team? And they don't really have any drive to get back in it. We saw that against Edmonton, of course, in the third period where they're able to finally get that, but that's something we haven't really seen all season. Yeah, it's true. I mean, and then it also could be that at the end of the road trip and they just waited to get home and yeah. have a couple of days and then prepare for L.A. That You know, they have to show up to that one. There's no choice. That's a it's yeah. a four-point night. They can't risk losing that game. They have to win that game at this point, I feel like. Yeah, you lose um, we'll that definitely you, talk. Sorry, you lose that when you throw all of the uh, – you're like your own fate out the window. You're, you're really relying on other teams to lose games if, if you lose that one against L.A. Yeah, no, it's absolutely a must-win for both teams. And, you know, the Ducks pretty much need to win out at home. They need to win all these home games. And they have a game against the Kings, a game against Colorado, a game against Minnesota, and a game against Dallas. And then they have the Phoenix game on, uh, not this Saturday, but the following Saturday to close out the season. And those are eight points they have to win. They have to bring those home. You know, they, they have no choice. So, but before we get on with the schedule... You know, that we like to try to catch everybody up as to where the playoffs stack, especially when there's only six games left in the season. Um, or I think now there's what? There's five games left in the season now, correct? Yeah. So we have those. Uh, let's talk about Troy Terry and his debut because this is something we've been looking forward to, something that we've been talking about, it seems like, off and on since we started the show about who's a guy we could see slot in and come up and help this anemic offense when, you know, when, when the Henrique line started to slow down. And we, we started looking at Richie. And even though in the beginning I was like, you know, maybe Richie wasn't a bad player. Maybe it's good we kept him. And he just completely fell off the off the wagon along with, uh, I know, Kasha and Henry kind of slowed down a little bit too, but no, you know, not as bad as he did. Um, how, what was your take on Troy Terry's first game? I, I think he looked okay. I mean, he didn't look great. 
Uh, he didn't look horrible. I mean, he ended up finishing with two shots on goal. Like you said, he was one of the only f- the few Ducks with an even rating on the night. Played uh, 1230 uh, in his debut on, on that third line. I was hoping for more. I think everybody was. But you can't be too critical of the guy playing in his first National Hockey League game. You know, we get a little bit hyped up looking at some of the guys making their debuts this season. And guys like Ryan Donato with the Bruins, Warren Fogel with Carolina with, with getting two points in their first night and continuing to score. You know, you, you really hope that the same thing can happen with him. I think he made some good plays. There was, there was some plays where he really showed his hockey sense and his playmaking ability. And I definitely think he has more to give. I'd be disappointed if this was the only shot he was given uh, for the rest of the season and they sent him back down to San Diego uh, it kind of feels like a Ducks move to send him back down to San Diego after one game uh, because he didn't get a point. We'll have to wait and see. It's it's such a tough game against the Kings on Friday, such a must-win game. It, it's tough to say if they're going to throw a kid right into that in his second game or, or if they're going to send him down to San Diego or not. Well, I feel like it's going to be Randy Carlisle making the decision that he wants a veteran in that lineup. Um, yeah. against the Kings. I, I I just always get that feeling from him. Like, you know, why would I want to play a kid in a big game like that? He figured he'd play the kid in the game that, you know, should be the easy game, but it ends up being a 4-1 loss. Um, So you really feel like that's it for him? Like, what, I'm going to put you on the spot. You think that's <sighs> Nicky's done? That's a t- such a tough question. I, I mean, if, I gotta, if it was... I hit you with yeah, because you're right with, with Carl. I feel like he's sitting there thinking right now, okay, let's bring Chris Kelly back into the lineup. We need a veteran. We need the leader grit for this game against the Kings to, to will us to victory. I can see it happening. I personally hope it's not it for, for Troy Terry. Uh, Randy Carlisle had some nice words about him and, and what he could bring to this team before today's game, so I'm hoping that means he, he stays in. If I had to, to pick what I think is going to happen, I, I would think he, he actually stays up for the game against L.A. I, I feel like they've put enough trust in him that you know they've they've essentially now burned a year off his ELC. There's no point in them really sending him down if they think he can contribute to this lineup. But uh, it is such a Randy Carlisle move to bring in a guy like Chris Kelly for this next game and sit Troy Terry. Can you just refer to him now as Captain Canada? I was. I was going to. call him that. I was going to. to. Yeah. you got to represent your your uh, your home country and uh, respect <laughs> the fact that he captained your team. Um, because, I mean, he's one of these the best Canadian hockey player that uh, was in the Olympics this year. So yeah. from the men's side, excuse me. Right on the, right on the same level as Taves and, and Crosby is of captains of team Canada. Right. So he's probably as good as Taves, but not Crosby. I mean, Taves is a bit overrated. I mean, I'm getting to the NHL <laughs> side of those things there. Uh, anyway, Troy Terry, I would have to say, um, it's hard to go against Randy Carlisle logic, right? Cause you just feel like, yeah. like you said, that's what it's going to be. Um. Yeah, they're not going to play against the Kings. <laughs> I don't yeah. think so. <laughs> I don't. Chase really brings don't. up a good point in the chat, though. He says Terry tends to show up in big games. Maybe he gets his first NHL goal against the Kings. I, I agree, but those big games were also uh, World Juniors, NCAA Olympics. I, I mean, and the, and the Olympics definitely wasn't the same competition you expect from the Olympics. So maybe he's a big game player. But I'm not going to say he's a big game player until I see him show up and compete in a big game in the National Hockey League. And I've been kind of the, that way with Troy Terry all season where he's got a lot of hype. And, and for good reason because he's played very well. But, uh, you know, I, I still think 
he's being a little bit overhyped, and he's been he's getting a lot of pressure put on him, especially from the fans. I expect him to produce right away. I hope that doesn't get to him right off the bat because I don't know if he's going to live up to some of the lofty expectations that people have put on him to start. 115 points in 115 NCAA games, right? So yeah. you figure that's going to translate over. That's such a hard move because he hasn't even played in the AHL yet. So yeah, decent showing for him tonight. We'll definitely hope that he's in the, in the game against the Kings. I'd love to see a young guy get a good chance and a good look in a big game. I, I agree with Chase there. I feel like that would be exciting to see him in that opportunity. How did you feel about uh, the movement of that uh, Henrique line when they put Kasha with him to start and then they removed Kasha and put Richie back on that line? Did you? I didn't see a noticeable difference with either one of them on that line. I felt like that, that line was pretty quiet except when Troy Terry had his shot on goal and he kind of created a little bit, but the interchangeable pieces of, of Richie and Kasha kind of didn't matter to me. Yeah, uh, I was surprised too because I was actually really intrigued and, and hopeful that that Henry Cash and Terry line could be a really dangerous third line for the Ducks. I mean, it didn't turn out that way. They had a couple chances. Uh, Terry made a good play where he held onto the puck, skated behind the net, and I think uh, I think he shot it on that play and he got a pretty good yep. scoring chance on, on that play. But that was it we really saw from that line. When Cash went down to the fourth line, there was a lot of people up in arms on Twitter about him being on the fourth line and Richie coming back up to the line. Uh, on the broadcast, they said it was to bring some some physicality to that third Thank line. You. Of that's course, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, of I course, was... uh, <laughs> that's what would be said about bringing Richie up to that to that third line, and and it didn't do anything, of course, and uh, that line didn't look excellent all night. So, I, I think it's it's tough to look at it. And just, it's a small sample size; it's one game. Uh, mm-hmm. I would like to see them put back together those three and Henry, Kasha, and Terry. And, and see what they can do down the stretch. I mean, like you said, there's five games left. I would like to see a little bit more from these guys and, and get them a little bit of a, a more of a sample together. Randy Carlisle and, and uh, Bob Murray obviously listen to this post-game show, so I feel like if we say it enough, it'll come to fruition, and, and uh, Troy Terry will play on that third line the rest of the season. So obviously that's what we feel that they should do. So hopefully when they listen to this on their ride home and their, their cars tonight or they download it in the morning and, and uh, let's do it over coffee. They'll agree with us. Well, um, we predicted this. So now on Twitter for the next five <laughs> months, we have to talk about how we predicted this and keep referring to this podcast about how we predicted this happening already. <laughs> Just so Bob Murray and Randy Carlisle see it. I 100% yes. agree with you. <laughs> if you say it enough, they'll see it. You know what? Do you have anything you want to get to on this game? I feel like we should talk to the fans, people listening, and hop in with some questions here because this yeah. game, talking about a dud, is so tough when, it's, yeah. when it hurts this much and you need the two points. Just like the Winnipeg game, it's a dud. It's not a fun one to discuss. Kind of get through the recap real quick, and and then I guess go to questions. So we'll start in the chat because cause these are the the two guys we've had in the chat right now, Gordon Bombay and Chase, uh, throwing up some questions and some comments. So Chase uh, asked a question a couple minutes ago. He said, "If the Ducks know they aren't going to make the playoffs, do they shut down Kessler for the rest of the season, or if they do make it, should they rest him uh, rest him against?" He didn't put what teams, but I'm guessing like the last couple games before the playoffs start. I don't think you're going to be able to take Kessler out of the lineup at all. He just he's not that type of guy. If he's playing right now, um, yeah. I feel like he's just going to play, and he's going to take the. I think the playoffs start April 11th, and the season ends on the 7th, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. There, so the Ducks have a few days to get ready. Um, do four. Four days to the playoff starts after that. I think that'll be the only rest that you see Kessler get. 
Yeah. I don't think they're going to shut him down at all. They need him in any capacity at this point because there's really no one to slot into his position at, at this uh, point of the season. I feel like that's going to make a huge difference for him. Yeah, and I don't think there's really a point in these last five games where the Ducks are going to know they're not going to make the playoffs, really. Like, uh, unless they lose against L.A., Colorado, and Minnesota, and uh, you have L.A. winning games in between there, you have St. Louis winning games, maybe Colorado as well, and then you're looking like four points out with two games remaining. I think that's the only time they might consider shutting him down and just saying they're shutting him down because of injury and what they'd probably refer to as a lower body injury, but we all know what the what the case would be. I, I still doubt it. And, and Gordon Bombay said in the chat too, referring to that question that we can't really afford to rest Kessler right now. 50% of Ryan Kessler is still better than 100% of Antoine Vermette. So <laughs> I, I feel like you kind of I, I kind of agree with that sentiment that you you need him in the lineup no matter what if he's only performing at fifty percent and of course he got burned by Sutter so this this uh, comment might not age that well but I feel like you still need him in the lineup no matter what yeah and hopefully they don't play a super fast team in the first round if they make it in the playoffs that's for sure well I mean it looks like they probably will unless they well I don't think there's any chance now what the, the them playing. LA. So you're either playing San Jose, Vegas, uh, Winnipeg, or Nashville. So you're playing a fast team no matter what. Great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And San Jose finally lost tonight, but it was in overtime. So they still picked up a point and they still looked good. And if Anderkin scored again. So they're looking. I mean, they are they better than Vegas now? The Sharks? Yeah. Um, I. Or is it I'm like recency bias? Like, does they've won games? I'm gonna, games I'm gonna have to so. eat crow on it, dude. I'm gonna have yeah. to eat crow on it. I know. I I struggled to to stay with my my hope that the Ducks were gonna play the Sharks over Vegas anyway. At this point, I feel like it's it's a uh, you're asking for a nightmare if you ask yeah. if you play the Sharks. I just feel like it's a nightmare. I all the teams are tough, but I gotta I gotta say I'm wrong. I gotta go against what I've been saying. I would rather take Vegas at this point than take the Sharks. The Sharks are just so good right now. Yeah, I'm they're rolling. Up. Evander Kane in uh, his last four games has four goals for the San Jose Sharks and now sits at uh, eight goals and five assists in 13 games. So 13 points in 13 games with the Sharks. So he's been a, a good deadline acquisition to say the least and they really didn't have to give up a lot for him and if they assign him the most they give up is a first round pick. So yeah. Ducks fans everywhere cringing a bit while we talk about Evander Kane because I'm I'm sure he'd be a very nice addition to the Ducks at this point. Well, you know, Bob Murray said he didn't want to add anybody if he felt this team uh, wasn't going to make the effort. And when he felt they didn't make the effort, he's like, well, now it's on you guys. That's a yeah. very ballsy move um, when your playoff or when your Stanley Cup window is closing slowly. you got to make moves. But we'll see what happens. We've still got some games left. Ducks still have some energy left in them. Let's hope they start their homestand coming up here. Some big games that matter. So hopefully our our big guns show up and take care of business. I mean, I'm not down and out of them yet. We got to get the ball rolling against the Kings. That'll set the tone for the rest of this homestand. Yeah, yeah, and and Gordon Bombay chimes in with another question here too. He says, other than Calgary, we have barely squeaked out wins and looked flat, including tonight. And it's kind of referring to what you just said. Do we see Randy Carlisle changing lines or something to wake up the team, or do you just pray? that the lines they currently have constituted figure it out and the puck just bounces our way. I'm not sure what's going on. Yeah. Um, we've been, I, I don't know what the hell's going on with this team. It's odd because they came out of the – I think we talked about this last year. They came out in 2018 with one of the best records in January up until February. And then all of a sudden after the trade deadline, I felt like the team just wasn't doing as well. 
and we'd get wins here and there, but even our wins don't look like we should be winning those games. Like we've had plenty of those. Yeah. Um, and we haven't been on this side of where, you know, we lost games. We should have won. I feel like we've been a lot more on the side of things where we win games. We probably had no business being in. And a lot of that just speaks to our goaltending. John Gibson's yeah, really been exactly, yeah. the Vesna guy in that. And that's the reason why the ducks are where they're at. It's scary. It's scary to think that without John Gibson, I mean, we talked about it with Paul on the interview that we had and, and how the ducks uh, point pace would change with an average goaltender. They'd be sitting, bottom five in the league in their point pace if they didn't have John Gibson and his uh, super high save percentage, including Ryan Miller in that mix as well. But replacing John Gibson with an average goaltender, the Ducks are a lottery team, if not worse, based on how they've played this season. And it's disappointing because, like you said, out of the break, they came out on fire and they were one of the best teams in the National Hockey League. And then all of a sudden they got to this point where things changed and uh, the games they were winning barring a few I think the one that comes to mind recently was a game against New Jersey where they actually played and deserved to win that game the others uh, not really I mean uh, and you look at the recent games the Calgary game they didn't really play that great they ended up getting a shutout in that game and the game against Edmonton they didn't really deserve to win that game but they were able to squeak out a comeback and win in overtime you know those you you take those points where you can but you, you want to feel like you actually deserve to win the game and I haven't felt like that with the Ducks for a while yeah, no, not much you could say other than that. They just haven't been that team. They really just haven't been that team. I mean, we thought they were on a roll when they beat Columbus, beat Chicago, and then they shut out Washington for nothing. And then yeah. they went out and lost to to uh, Nashville and Dallas on those back to backs. And then they lost to St. Louis. And now it squeaks us right back up here, where I felt like that Vancouver game. I, that was, I remember that game was kind of a dud too, and they won yeah. that one three nothing. And they let that Detroit team become a very competitive Detroit team uh, a couple of Fridays ago, which was also a win. And then, like you said, the New Jersey game after that game was the, probably the most complete game we've seen them play in weeks. Yeah. And then you got this most recent road trip where, I mean, let's be honest, they didn't deserve to win that game at Edmonton. No, they and they didn't. They didn't look good against Calgary either. And they came out with a three nothing win. I mean, four nothing win. Yeah, but they won that. Sorry, game. yeah, they didn't look good in any of these games. But they picked up seven points. So, you know, you'll take it, but it doesn't bode well for the remaining five games. Yeah. It doesn't at all. We have a lot of work to do when they come back home. Yeah. Um, Chase kind of bring up a good point after the trade deadline, saying maybe they, the players feel that management doesn't have enough confidence in this team uh, because of the no moves that were made and the Bob Murray comments in the athletic article when they came out. Um, I mean, there's always a possibility. I mean, these guys are are definitely human and and have egos and feel like maybe they're trying to give them give one back to them. But when you have a month of March where the majority of your games are at home, you need to win those games and and you got to make sure you clean up with the easy ones on the road. And they just couldn't do it. I mean, they only had six away games this month, and I think they went they lost against Nashville, lost against Dallas, beat Calgary, lost against Winnipeg. Barely squeaked out a win in Edmonton, then lost to Vancouver. Just not a good road showing this month, and now that's not the time to blow it when uh, when points are on the line. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, getting into some of the comments we had on Twitter and Reddit, uh, Kyle asked us pretty early on uh, during this game. He's, it was uh, kind of just a, I guess it wasn't a question, but he said the guys should buy Gibby something really nice at the end of the season for getting them where they are. 
Uh, I think a Vesna trophy would be a nice start, but <laughs> or at least a, a playoff berth would also be a nice gift if they could get him to get him something like that. I mean, does Gibby really want to be a net in the playoffs to be to get shelled at this point with the way this team's been playing? I, I'm I feel like you'd I mean, we want yeah. them to go to the playoffs. Hundred yeah. percent. I'm teasing. I just uh, I just know if they play one of those top two teams, it's going to be a rough go. But maybe this team has something more to give. I think that the best gift they could give him right now is winning out the rest of their games. Proving yeah. that, you know, we can't rely on you all the time. You've carried us. This is the stretch. That's what Gibby wants, right? He put he put the ducks on his back and put them in position. And it's up to the other players now to step up and, and start producing again. We need that that Henry Kasha line to start going. And we need the Kessler line to put up a couple of points. So we'll see how the how the boys respond on this homestand. This is a you know a big stretch coming up. Yeah, and Randall kind of bringing up what we had mentioned earlier. He brought up the the first reference to Randy Carlisle and and his uh, career behind the bench with the Ducks or his future behind the bench. He said, "If we don't make the playoffs, does it spell the end of Carlisle?" He says, "Don't know how much I can keep watching the dump chase, dump chase, dump and chase." Um, I don't think it spells anything for Carlisle other than he's going to get a, a pass on this season, as we said before, on yeah. uh, the injury cases that kept happening along this way. You know, a guy they signed to a three-year deal not even being able to play all – I think he played one game. I believe that was what Patrick Eves has played this season. Yeah. He, yeah, so he's Carlisle's definitely going to get the pass on this one 100%. I don't, I don't think anything is going to happen there. But the Ducks, the culture in Anaheim, when you're talking about management and, and coaching, is they like to the dump and chase. They like the big grind game. They like to get you in the corner and grind the puck out, control the play down low. Problem is, is it really only works with Getzloff and Perry, that, that line combo. Like, they, they can do yeah. that really well. Sometimes the Kessler line, when that line's burning, they can do it too because Cogs has got the feet to, to get loose pucks. But, um, I mean, this, that's a Getzloff-style uh, game, right? He's able to slow yeah. the game down to his pace. So I, th- I don't think anything's going to happen to Carlo. I think we're going to see him here uh, for the foreseeable future unless, they, unless this really gets out of hand next season. Yeah, and we talked about that in length on, I think it was one of our earlier shows where we broke down different guys you possibly could replace Carlo if he got fired. But we both believed that uh, he, he does kind of just have a free pass based on some comments we've heard from Bob Murray near the trade deadline, basically saying that he thinks this team is a lot better and that when everybody's healthy next season – then he's going to really assess how this team looks, which is just kind of a cop-out, really, because I think this team's going to look exactly the same to what they, they look like right now. Uh, obviously, they'll have everybody healthy to start the season, but you know it, it's it's not looking so great right now. I don't know, you know how much is going to change come the start of next season. Obviously, some guys will have another year under their belt. Pedersen will have more games under his belt. Maybe we'll see Larson. Troy Terry would hopefully start the season with the Ducks. So there is some optimism there, but... There's no chance in, in, in my mind that Carlisle isn't with the Ducks to start next season. I mean, he just he's just in a, a, you know he's not really on a hot seat right now. He he's kind of got a comfy comfy space behind that bench, got the support from the GM. I don't see him being anywhere else. Agreed. Uh, moving into what was a, again a, we've already said a slow night in the question department. It always is, especially after a tough loss, but. Uh, we had Kent uh, t- asking us about Troy Terry. So we had actually had some questions about Troy Terry. He said, will he play more games after tonight, or is this his one and only game this season? We kind of touched on this a bit, but I think we can get into it more, of course, since it was to his debut tonight. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with the Carlisle no. He's definitely not playing against the Kings. I hope he will. I hope he does. Like we said, we hope he gets that big game chance. 
But uh, maybe we see him in the game coming up. The Ducks can get a few under their belt and, and get a little more cushy playoff positioning. Um, but I, I see him going that veteran presence against L.A. Yeah, maybe just switching it up a bit too because we already talked about this. But if this team on the offensive side still looks the same next season, so we've talked about how the top nine is probably going to look close to the same unless they make a surprising move. Do you think he actually makes the team at the beginning of next season, or is he more of a guy that starts the year in the AHL and then uh, gets some call-ups later on? I really feel like he's going to be starting the AHL. I don't think he's going to be starting in Anaheim. I feel like he's got to get his feet wet first and get you know several games, if not a whole season in the AHL, before we see him back up next year, if he does even get called up, right? I mean, we already talked about this. We feel like Max Jones or Sam Steele were closer in training camp and, uh, you know, who knows? Things happen, and he could blow everyone away in training camp and, and make the squad. But it doesn't happen too often, a guy out of NCAA hockey. Um, he's not a Jimmy VC type, right? So yeah. we'll have to see what happens in Anaheim. But uh, unless there's drastic changes this offseason, I see him staying in the AHL. Yeah, I, I think that's At better. At least to start. Yeah, I, I honestly think that's better for his development, too. I, I'm not saying he's he's not ready for the NHL, and I think if he does get – a couple more games uh, to end this season out, and if he looks better, then then maybe there's a, a, you know more of a chance he'll play next year. But I, I, there's no point, like we have already said on the last show, of playing him on the fourth line. If you're gonna play him, you know, eight to ten minutes a night, there's really no point in him being on the lineup. That's not good for his development. I would love to see him tear it up in the AHL before he gets a longer look with the Ducks. I, I always like you know that some players have to take that step and dominate in the AHL before they come they come up to the big team. And, and that's kind of what, if you look at if one team has been doing that a lot, and I guess they have the freedom to, that is the Arizona Coyotes. Former third overall pick, Dylan Strom's been lighting up the AHL all season, and I think he's only played about 10 games now for the Coyotes. So they're taking their time with him, and I'm not saying Terry's the same quality of player as Dylan Strom, but there's nothing wrong with taking your time with a guy who's only 20 years old. I mean, you might as well get him some more seasoning, get a full pro season in the AHL under his belt, maybe give him a couple call-ups, and then see where you go from there. I agree with that one, man. I, I mean, you got to let your guy get time to, to adjust to the game, the, the speed of the game and the size of the players. It's way different than NCAA. Yeah, yeah, and, and he took that big hit from, from Biega, so I think that, that welcome to the NHL and, and the different uh, difference in physicality right off the bat. Uh, moving into our last question here from Paola on on Twitter. And we're getting back into the frustrating loss here. But she said, how frustrating was it to not get these two points against the Canucks? Total bummer. Yep. That's exactly what it was. Uh, it was a bummer. Just the only goal that you're going to put up tonight is a, is a gimme by the stanchion. They gifted you something. And, and all you had to do was come out in the third period and fight. And you couldn't do it. Uh, I could go on a rant about how disappointed this game was, but I'm not sure everybody would want to stay tuned in for it. It's um, just not not the game we wanted, and it's just nothing that uh, nothing that anybody wanted to see. Moving on, man. Got to move on and look forward to that LA game because I really thought this was an easy two points, but you know our Ducks let us down. They let themselves down, and they put themselves in a hole. Yeah. Uh, Chase actually brings up an interesting question in the chat in regards to Nick Ritchie. Uh, he says, do you think the Ducks rushed his development? He didn't have that much time in the AHL. He played 38 games with the Gulls, uh, had five seasons in, or sorry, four seasons in the OHL, 
and then immediately jumped into the Ducks lineup and has been a, a mainstay in their lineup ever since. Um, he lit up the AHL when he was there, from my understanding. He played really well with the goals, um, and he earned his call-ups, and I felt like yeah. he he showed well for the Ducks in flashes, and it just this season he couldn't put it together. I don't know what it is about his game. Um, I don't know. How do you feel about him? Do you, I, I feel like at this point we know what we're getting with Nick Ritchie. He's still young. Yeah, but he'll be 23 years old um, in the next year, so you kind of feel like you know what player he is. But it could change. I mean, he could get you know bumped into a different line. He could get traded. He could go down and uh, to the fourth line and see what happens. But I feel like we know what we're getting with him, and I, I, I just don't know. You can't always pick a winner in the first round. It doesn't happen. Yeah, uh, I, like you said, he did light up the HL when he was there. 30 points in 38 games, ended up having eight points in nine playoff game with with the goal. So he earned his call-up to the Ducks. First year, he only had the 33 uh, appearances with Anaheim, had four points. So I think at that point, then maybe you look at his production in the NHL and assume he's not ready, and then maybe you put him back in the AHL. But I don't think rushing his development, if that was the case, did anything to hurt what player Nick Ritchie has become. I don't think putting him in the AHL for another half season or full season and let him dominate down there really would have helped his play in the NHL. I think we're kind of seeing what we're going to get with him. I don't expect too much more from him. I expect him to be a guy who can probably hit about 35 points on a good season for him, and that's pretty much it. Again, there's nothing wrong with having that type of player in your lineup. It's just it's the same issues when we when we talk about Perry and his production. I think it's the same with Nick Ritchie. We always refer to Perry's contract and the fact that he's not producing at uh, the money he's being paid. And I think for Nick Ritchie, it's it's the expectation of a tenth overall pick. And and you're looking at a guy who's only getting about twenty eight to thirty five points in the season. You're always going to be disappointed because you look at some of the other guys you could have drafted at that spot. Yeah, no, it's a hundred percent true. And you know what though. I mean, if you make a fine career out of uh, being a third or fourth line guy, a bottom six guy, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, Plenty of guys do it. There's plenty of guys in the AHL who make a career of being in the AHL with the occasional call to the big club to fill in for injuries. Um, nothing wrong with that at all. It's just like we said, it's it's disappointing because you, you expect a lot out of him. Um, but who knows? I mean, maybe this is just a, a blip on his development, and maybe he'll come back next season with a stronger push. But that's a lot to ask of a guy after seeing so many NHL games, kind of what he's going to be getting out of uh, out of his time here. Um, I feel like we kind of just need to come to grips that he's a third-line guy. That's, yeah. just, that's him. That's the player he is. Um, he's, a, he's a nasty guy. He could play that role on a team. I know that's kind of being faded out. But um, that's still Ducks hockey. That's what uh, Bob Murray's built here, and Randy Carlisle's the guy for that. So I would, like we said last year, we'd be surprised if something happened with him. But um, I think we, what we're seeing is what we're going to get. We're going to get a, a bottom six guy. Yeah, yeah, I think you're exactly right. I mean, this is just a dud of a hockey game. And, and I know we've said that a lot lately, especially after the Winnipeg game as well. But, I mean, that's it for our fan questions today. I don't know. Do you have, do you have anything else you want to hit on before we wrap it up? Because I, I feel like a lot of people are ready to move on from this game. Yeah, I think we should call it a night tonight and come back fired up on Friday. Um, it's too bad that we've been saying these games have been duds because even though they've gotten wins here and there, the most exciting one was obviously Sunday. Everybody was fired up about that game with Edmonton. Um, the Ducks just aren't playing good hockey right now, guys. That's just the way it is. And we're squeaking out points. And then we're 6-1 and one at home this month, which is really good. And they have one more home game to wrap up uh, the month of March. 
So let's look forward to that game against L.A. Let's come out. Let's everyone uh, get to Honda Center and check that game out, except for Eddie because he can't get here. Um, Don't remind, come on, <laughs> that's that's a dig right there. Like, come on, you think I don't know I can't get there? Like, I'm Just looking. Out, remind you, I'm looking outside of the snow outside. Like, I know I can't get there. Like, come, come I think on. I think it's like 68 degrees in my house, man. It's, it's actually have the window open. It's pretty nice on a 10:45 uh, on a Tuesday night. Just saying. Um, that's I'm looking at the dead guys. grass outside, and just I got uh, I got to stop ribbing ribbing Eddie here. <laughs> get us uh, get this get this chat closed up with us. Thanks for everyone for tuning in. We appreciate all the support and uh, all the downloads. You know everyone who pops in on our chat here, our regulars, Gordon Bombay and Chase. We appreciate you guys popping in about every show and uh, letting us know you're listening. And of course, if you guys have a moment and you haven't already, can you guys please go to iTunes? Subscribe, hit a five star, and leave us a message on there about how uh, how you think our show is. We'd appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk to you guys on Friday.